This is Task Force N Radio, and I'm its host, John Crotech, advocate for humankind, education, and commerce. We are on a mission to create human healing on a massive global scale and to tell the stories of people who have dedicated their lives to making our planet a better place to live. We have an incredible guy on today's episode of Task Force N Radio. Uh, he has got an, a powerful message and a powerful program to help people get out of their funk, to get on with their lives nutritionally and physically. Ollie Matthews lost his father at the age of 15, and uh, it affected him greatly. started causing him to eat a lot, gained a lot of weight. He was depressed. Uh, he just was, he, he, he wasn't getting anywhere and he and I know he's going to tell us more about that, but you know, at 21 years old, he, he knew he needed to do something. He knew this was not the way he wanted to live his life. So he lo- he joined a local gym and he became obsessed with training and nu- nutrition. And, 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 and that's a good thing. If you're obsessed about those things, I think you're on a good flight path. Um, within 18 months, he had dropped a hundred pounds and he started a journey into bodybuilding and a career into personal training. Six shows of bodybuilding in 2012, um, he was on his way. He set the groundwork, set the foundation, uh, and he's doing some pretty amazing things at the global level now. We've talked about technology and how we can talk across the pond, and it's pretty phenomenal. He has worked with thousands of clients all over the planet, including professional athletes, celebrities, and some of the world's most successful business people. He's a go-to guy for successful entrepreneurs who want to get their foundation set again. And, and people who are busy and, and, and say they don't have the time or there's nobody that, there to help them, well, Ollie, Ollie is here to help you. He, um, he's created a program called the Revitalization Blueprint. He delivers it online, so all those guys and gals out there making up excuses, you don't have any. Um, so welcome, Ollie Matthews, to Task Force Zen Radio. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me, John. Yes, uh, I'm so glad we were able to do this. You know, a lot of people don't know, but we I think we tried this two or three times, and because of the pond and the time zones, and especially with Daylight Savings Time, uh, we were finally able to do it today, and I'm looking forward to this show Um I met Ali through a mutual friend, Stephen Kuhn. He was over in Hungary. I saw him on a live feed, and I said, I got to get that guy on this show. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and, and, and you, know, you know what got you to where you're at. Yeah, well, the childhood started off just a normal childhood. I think there's uh, more and more children nowadays whose parents do get divorced, unfortunately. And my parents divorced when I was about four or five years old, something like that. And my dad had to move a little bit further away, not not too far, only about 45 minutes away, 30, 45 minutes away, in order to make sure he was still able to provide for his family, myself, my sister, and literally was pushing sales in a sales-based job and becoming very successful is what he'd done, uh, selling holiday homes and became sales manager. And we saw him at weekends, we saw him at school holidays and that was what it was. We didn't realize that stress was doing anything to him. And then he got pushed up to be the park manager and headhunted by different companies in order to turn the parks around completely. And he was still having the priority as providing for his family. Now, we'd do this in the normal things that kids do with their parents. We'd, we'd watch football. Uh, we would uh, go out and we, we would have some food and stuff and we would go and chill and, and we'd see him at the school holidays and that was fine. He didn't seem stressed. He wasn't overweight. 
he drank a little bit, he didn't smoke, he didn't really drink loads, but he had a couple of beers. And then suddenly, uh, when I was 15, my dad was 47, so he was 47 in March, and this happened in July that year in 2001, that he got taken into hospital with a migraine. He did suffer from migraines, which is a sign of being a bit more stressed than the average person. And he got taken into hospital on the Wednesday. And from there, he ended up having a stroke. And by the Saturday, we had to make the decision to turn off his life support machine. And that just flipped my whole life like that. And it wasn't until recently that I realized that I can use that as a blessing to help other people. But we'll get to that in a moment. Because as you said, I, I flipped and I was depressed. I was eating, comfort eating. There were triggers that happened where I would go and stay around my nans because I'd done that with my dad. We would watch the soccer show, the football show here, uh, match of the day, and the theme music would make me just want to eat loads of chips. Uh, I'd go and get a couple of the packs of chips and just eat them because that was what I used to do with my dad, eat loads of sweets. And because he was providing for his family, you don't realize that at the time you're providing financially. But a lot of the times we stress ourselves out so much that – this stopped him being able to be there physically. It stopped him being able to see me finish school, go to music college, finish any of those sorts of things, being able to be there when I passed my driving test, allow me to actually go out and take him for a beer, walk my sister down the aisle, see my niece being born, be there on my wedding day, all these different things he wasn't able to do because he was providing for his family. And at 47, he passed away suddenly. Now, that really pushed me into a life of depression and I think it's important to note that we all have to do a lot of work on our minds in order to constantly develop and it's a foundation which I always like to maintain and look to push forward and there'll be ups and downs a lot of the time but I have a massive focus internally on my mind and on the mindset side of things but that made me start to push forward I went to the gym with my friend I got a trainer who now I help him a lot of the time. He asked me for advice, which is great in his business. And I love to be able to give back because without him, I wouldn't have lost a hundred pounds. And then I got on the bodybuilding stage. My first show was 2008. My last show was 2012. There was six or seven shows between them and really, really dug into what I was doing and became known for being able to push myself. And the problem there was that being in fitness didn't pay the bills. It didn't pay the bills at all because it was around £12,000, so maybe $15,000 a year. And I was working 60, 70-hour weeks. It just wasn't able to pay the bills. So I went back to the corporate world while doing fitness on the side. And I was still training, training people, a, a few friends. And I made a go of it in the corporate world. And this is where I knew what stress was doing to multiple people. And we look high up in insurance companies and business companies where I was working, pension companies. These companies had individuals who were successful on the outside, but on the inside, they're dying. They're killing themselves from that stress. Yeah. And it turned out in 2013, uh, 2012, sorry, after my last show, I lost a secondment. So I was seconded as a manager. I had a team of people and they had budget cuts. So I lost my job there. And I decided to keep pushing on that career and I got another management role. In 2013, lightning struck twice, budget cuts and sent the whole department over to an offshore call center. And I had massive rebounds of anxiety attacks, at times feeling like I had a heart attack. I wrote a big article on it, it felt like I was having a heart attack. It was horrible. 
and I didn't even want to admit it. It felt like a massive weakness to me. And it was then when I made the decision, I had three months off sick, I made a decision to get back to doing what I loved, start working with guys like my dad, start pushing myself. And I kind of fell into the endurance world, which was, was a cool thing to fall into because my family um, on my mum's side were runners and coached a lot of the, the local teams. But I couldn't help them with nutrition because I was the the young guy in the family. I, I was the younger brother, the the nephew, that I couldn't then help these guys. So I thought, okay, being that overachiever, I'm going to. And I ended up working with some world champion triathletes, Tour de France riders, uh, Olympic athletes, and professional athletes of really high standards. Let me, however, when I- yeah. Let me let me just point out a couple of things here before you know. Keep that thought in mind, but. You know, there's three things that I just want to briefly mention. And, you know, one of them that you just said was that people look fine on the outside, but on the inside, they're not. And And I want you to expound on that a little bit. But also, you know, I know what it was like losing my dad. You know, I was, you know, 51 years old. I can't imagine what it must have been like at 15. And people think that that trauma has to be something like physical or or, you know, you have to be in combat or, but the death of a loved one and the tra- traumatic effect that it has on the psyche is one of those things that, uh, sometimes people don't pay attention to. And a good thing about you, Ollie, is even though you were going through these challenges, at least you kind of had a handle on it. You understood exactly, you know, what you were going through and you were, you, you kept pushing ahead. I didn't. I just wanted to get that out there. You know, trauma affects us in so many different ways. The death of a parent is probably one of the most traumatic events for a person. I don't care if they're 15 or 51. And then the job that you have may be killing you. So it, it, it's yeah. massive with that as well. And talking about the insides and the outsides, it, it was working with endurance athletes where I realized that these guys are the top of their game. But their goal, they want me to get them from A to B at the quickest possible. They're not really worried about their health that much because they need to pay their bills. If they get from A to B the quickest on that race day, they're going to get a bigger paycheck. And I didn't like that because, again, that was the focus on the result rather than the actual or the tangible result on paper rather than the actual physical result in the body. And that's when I started looking back at what happened with my dad. Working with a couple of entrepreneurs, I realized how much impact this is having on their lives, the lives of their family, and their their entire business, because as you've seen with the the lives I've done with Stephen and the lives I do on my Facebook, that your body is your business. We talk about having a sustainable business, a scalable business, but without a sustainable body, there's not even a sustainable business, let alone scalable. And that is really, really something which I look to push as much as possible. And that's, and that's an awesome quote. And that, by the way, that is Ollie Matthews' own personal quote. I, I love that. You know, we need to put hats all over the planet with that on it. I'd love it. Yeah, that'd be cool to see those out there. But I started working with these guys, and that was when I realized that I couldn't help my dad when he was 47, being his 15-year-old. But now if I can help even one child not lose their dad early, then or their mom or their uncle early, then my job is the most powerful job in the world. Absolutely. Can you tell me one or two, or tell the people listening one or two success stories that you've had with one of those celebrities or one of those professional athletes? 
one of the guys that stands out really loads is a guy called Rick Barker. And Rick came to me, he just turned 50, and he said to me, look, I know what to do. I need you to tell me to do it. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Help. And within two hours later, he was signed up. I looked on his website and, hang on, this is Taylor Swift's manager. And it turns out he was the guy that launched Taylor Swift's career. Around the time that Kanye West jumped on stage, that was when Taylor Swift was being managed by Rick. And he had a load of other music artists, had his own music industry blueprint program, and was appearing on different TV shows and flying all around in order to make sure he was putting in the work and paying his bills to provide for his family. But it also hit me that he was a big family man. And within a couple of months, I was actually over in Nashville training with him and uh, we'd done a musician's health course. But for six months, because I believe that sustainable results do take a little bit of time. We can get good focus. We can get good energy quickly. But I want to make sure someone really has long-term sustainable results. This isn't a get get in shape and lose it type of program in like three weeks, that sort of thing. He lost just over 40 pounds in six months. And we didn't follow a complete nutrition plan. We built up habits. Touching on the endurance side of things with Team Sky over here in the UK, they have the big analogy of 1% incremental gains. And that's something I focus on. If we can improve ourselves by 1% every day, we are going to get so much better over the duration of a certain period. And 1% is easy to do. A lot of people make the mistake of changing everything. If I went to Rick, gave him a specific meal plan, told him to train for an hour a day, it wouldn't have worked. We started out with 10 minutes on the treadmill. He had to send me a WhatsApp every time he was on the treadmill, four times a week, and say, hey, Ollie, I'm on the treadmill, doing my 10 minutes. We built up into doing some circuit training, and he found the time. He scheduled the time in, but he had to start with the smallest first. The smallest thing, the minimum thing to get the maximum output. Well, that's a, that's a really good point, Ollie, because, you know, you point something out that millions of people around the globe fall into, especially on New Year's, that, you know, the month of January. You know, we're going to get back on track. We're going to hit the gym hard. And what they try to do is do it all at once. And see, so you know the business. And then what happens? They beat themselves up. And by the end of January, they're right back to watching soccer and eating chips on the couch. You know, and I love that approach because incremental progress. Um, Yeah, I mean, and it's probably like you say, it definitely is more sustainable. But mentally, it's a better way to approach it. Yeah, massively. It's it's overwhelm we see every single day why people don't get the results because they think that to get to A to Z is just a big jump. Rather than thinking that to get to A to Z, I have to go to B go to C, go to D, and work my way through. Now, also, when you look back at that, you think it's so far away. But time is going to change whether you like it or not. So you could be in this position or worse off, or you could make a small amount of change every single day and move forward and still be able to have a sustainable life, still have date nights with your wife, still be able to take the children out, still go to work meetings and work events, still go to the game and eat some chips. But... We're talking about that 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, be really on point. 20% of the time, you can chill out. And a lot of people have that overwhelm, just like they get at Christmas, because over the holidays, they have so much junk food. And then they cut out and go very strict, go to certain techniques, which 
are okay for short term. They go to intermittent fasting, detoxes, keto, and all these certain things, which is not needed. They could potentially work, but it's not needed when every single person has their own body, their own lifestyle, their own schedule. It's finding what works for you and what you can actually implement one single day at a time. That's a great way of looking at it. So tell us, tell us about the revitalization blueprint. You know, I know you've touched upon a few of the, the, uh, the techniques, but tell us, you know, a little bit more detail about what people can expect and, and, and why you put that type of program together. So with the revitalization blueprint, I wanted to make sure that it's not just a cookie cutter, uh, plan or anything like that because as we know it's every single person being individual i have a group program but everyone has a bit of an individual sense to it it's more having a group accountability but health health isn't just looking good in a shirt when you're on stage health isn't just looking good naked we don't spend our time naked if we do we'll probably get arrested or something like that (laughs) we want to make sure that don't have don't try that at home so no, no, exactly. Well, if you are going to try it, try it at home, nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. right, man. <laughs> we want to make sure that we have the confidence to be who we truly are. People focus on the things which I used to think that getting in shape would get me confidence, but it just built up a shell of muscle, which was just that, a shell. The confidence came in my head. Now, I'm going to climb Mount Everest when I'm 47. My dad died when he's 47. Everest climbing season is around my birthday. That is my goal. And everything I do works up towards that goal. My whole analogy, and there's a chapter in my book, The One Day Body Upgrade, called Moving Mountains, My Everest Obsession. And because of that, with mountains, I made my pillars of health. I've got five pillars, all beginning with M. And we've got mindset, movement, macros, uh, madness. Hang on. Money. That. There were six there. Movement and macros are are the same one. They're, they're under the same chapter um, because there was so much of the Instagram generation where I thought, I don't want to put macros in as one of them, but movement comes under that. Now, we have, once we get balanced in all of these, we can move mountains. We have uh, movement, which is self-explanatory. Movement and macros, which is going to be getting the right food in and getting the right movement in throughout the day. A lot of people will be what I call uh, active sedentary, where people do a little bit of a workout in the morning and nothing and throughout the day, they'll just sit at a desk. We want to get some sort of movement in. Maybe around every 20 minutes, just getting up, doing some bodyweight squats or going from sitting to standing whilst working, these sorts of things, get the heart rate going a little bit. Uh, then we get money, which is going to help lower stress. No matter what people say, it can increase stress, but money can help you help others as well, which I think is a massive thing here where There seems to be, especially over here in the UK, that a lot of people that are rich potentially are bad people, and there's a negative uh, connotation given to money. And people say, oh, they get a Ferrari, he's a douche, or something like this. They don't like it because he's got a Ferrari, but it's jealousy. Now, money allows, myself, I know money will allow me to give back to people. It allow me to experience different things and be able to help more people. Uh, marriage is a big one out of the five M's because marriage isn't just two people becoming one. Marriage is also the relationships we have with our friends and family, but with ourselves as well. If you can have a great relationship with the reflection you see in the mirror, you're on the way to getting good health. 
if you look in the mirror and you don't like your love handles going over your boxes, the hem of your boxes turning over, and you don't like the what is staring back at you, and that doesn't fill you with confidence, it's going to be hard to get full levels of health everywhere else. And madness is the one we overlook when it comes to health because madness is fun and madness is going to be the thing which allows you to have the downtime madness links into everything else madness allows you to have good relationships madness allows you to actually develop things which are fun to get money madness allows you to find ways of doing exercise which you enjoy madness just allows you to have so much fun which you can smile and be happy every single day now you get a balance of those you end up getting the ability to move mountains. And when I say that, climbing Mount Everest is going to be a big achievement, but it's a whole analogy of doing it, of how we have to acclimatize. Now, I'll go through the, the chapter just quickly on moving mountains because I think it's important where people look at this overwhelm and that fitness is a hard thing, health is a hard thing, especially when we build our businesses up, especially when we come to a certain time in our lives. Now, my program is mainly aimed at over 40 entrepreneurs business owners, the busiest people, there's been a lot of stress going on in our lives before then, which is stacked up. What worked when you were 20 isn't going to necessarily work now. We have to acclimatize. We have to get to base camp. Now, when you climb Mount Everest, there's a 12-day trek to base camp. Then you have to acclimatize at base camp. Go to camp one, acclimatize, come back down. Camp two, come back down. Camp three, and then you can either go up to the death zone, they call it, and summit, come back down, then go back up. Now, to get down from base camp to where you started from, it takes eight days. So it takes four days less going down than it does going up. Therefore, if we can build our fitness to a base camp level, we can always push a little higher and acclimatize at different periods in our life when we need to do that. We've got a big speaking event coming up. We can get to camp one. We're going to push ourselves for a little get together with, with the lads. We want to go and get play some play some football or something. And we know it's going to be in six to eight weeks. So we need to get our fitness level up. We can get to camp two. But if we don't get this base level of fitness and we fall off, we're going to lose that a lot quicker than when we got there. So it's having this analogy that we are always at base camp. And we can always push forwards. Just do not fall off the edge. Yeah, you know, I... I absolutely love that analogy. I actually led guided trips to the Andes for 15 years. And, wow. and under, you know, I was on Aconcagua. I sprained an ankle there. That's a different story. But anyhow, but, but the analogy that you give is so apropos to, to the reality of daily existence. A really yep. good climbing buddy of mine, you know, I asked him one time, you know, what's mountaineering to you? And he goes, it's whoever suffers the best. Because if these incremental changes or incremental steps were easy everybody would be doing it and which would be a great thing but they're not easy and so if you start to see the you know the improvements then it becomes something really vital um what a great analogy man i mean and how old are you now so you got 32 i'm 33 in may so we've got like 14 15 years you might be there before you know i had two really good friends that summited everest and uh you know, one guy is a professional mountain guy. The other guy builds furniture, but they're both hardcore mountaineers. And that is what a goal. What a goal. You may be there before you're 47, but but the analogy with your dad is just beautiful. It's going to happen as well. And I think that's yeah. where um, 
we look at things being hard, but we don't realize what the reward is coming from them. And I'm a massive believer of my morning routine and journaling. And I've got so many different goals which are linked to business, happiness, relationships, and all these different things. And there may be 10, 15 goals for each one. I will journal in the state of completing that goal every single morning. Different goal from each one. Nice. And one of them, I've done it three times now, is being on the summit of Mount Everest. And coming down from the summit of Mount Everest because climbing the mountain is just half of it. And uh, you got to get I'm back just, down. And sometimes that's even tougher because, you know, exactly. the adrenaline's gone. You're you're not focused as much, but I, there's more issues coming down than going up usually. Exactly. Yeah. You're just going to be exhausted. And uh, I journal on the summit what I'm going to do, calling my wife and what I'm going to say, what it looks like up there and all these different things. And it's just a massive push and the way I live my life that I can always claim climb Mount Everest. Now, we also have these other goals. And whatever goal we have in our life, I look at this analogy that people try and climb Everest and they don't expect to get cold. We're going to get a bit cold if we go and climb the world's tallest peak. And that is the way I live my life, that there's going to be days when I'm cold. I I love what you just said, though, because, you know, there's a – there's a guy that told me, old mountaineering guy, he was from the west coast of, he was on California, but he said, if you're not hungry when you're climbing, you're eating too much. If you're not cold, you're dressed too much. And if you're not scared, then you need to be home. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because if, when you get complacent, it's when danger happens. But, Ali, I knew there was something really trippy about you, man. You're a, you're a visionary with your journaling. You're a guy that took trauma at an early age and switched it. You've developed a program that's gonna that's literally you've already helped thousands. It's gonna help millions. Um, and your and your yeah, the vision orientation is cool. Let me ask you this: so, and especially in the Western countries, and, and with processed food, you know, and I know because I've seen some of your stuff. I know how important the food is to you and to your program. What can people do? to get away from all this processed stuff that's also killing us? I think the easiest way is just to be aware of what we're eating. And that's not even to say look at the nutritional uh, values or anything like that. It's that, yes, we could look at nutritional values, follow single ingredient foods, and make sure that when we look at the ingredients, there's maybe one, two, three ingredients there, not loads of processed foods we can't pronounce and so so on. Now, the simple thing, Now, I actually spoke to someone about two weeks ago, and I'm always a believer that at least three or four times a week, I want to help someone without selling. And do you know how hard it is to actually get someone on a call without them thinking that you're going to sell to them? I want to help you with your health. I'm not going to sell my program. Just message me. Is there something I can help with? I'm going to help you. I'm going to see what I can do. But a guy reached out when I got back from Stevens, and he was a mountaineering guy, actually. And... He said, look, I can't afford to, look, I'm not worried about you paying me or anything like that. Let me see where I can help. We had a call, 20 minutes. He just started checking what he was eating. And it turns out he was having like 2,000 calories for lunch um, and wondering why he wasn't losing weight. His blood sugars were all over the place. He's diabetic. And then I think in two weeks, he put a message on my wall the other day saying that he'd lost three kilos in two weeks, so about six and a half pounds in two weeks, simply by being aware of what he was eating. Now, this is going to come in different forms of using an app like 
MyFitnessPal. You can just scan foods and put them in and track your calories and everything. Or just logging your food by writing it down because that adds another level of awareness. A lot of us eat unconsciously. We're not aware of what we're eating. We're just picking up food and eating it. And we don't need to do that. If we actually write food down, it adds like a minute or two to our meal time. What you can do at the end of the day, I, I don't advise to do it every two or three days because we forget certain foods we have. And that way, it gives you a chance to say, look, I don't need this junk. I'm not actually that hungry. I'm just thirsty. And you actually get a little bit more ownership and awareness of what you're eating. And that is pretty powerful, especially when we look back, because a lot of people don't realize what it's like to actually feel good, especially when it comes to food, because feeling good quote unquote, is actually feeling bad when we realize that if we take, if we're reacting to gluten or dairy or certain sugar forms, if we take them out, realize how we feel without them, then put them back in one at a time and actually see if there's a reaction, bloatedness, not going to the toilet a couple of times a day, feeling lethargic and brain fog, low energy, uh, having outbreaks of spots and bad skin, and just not being able to sleep, all these different things. Once we take these foods out and put them back in, we actually see their impact on the body. Now, it's not to say you take them out for good, because that's what people make the mistake of. They ban themselves from foods for a long while, and then that leads to them binging out. It's to say that if you know a food reacts to you, now, in my social media profiles, I put I'm a professional nacho eater. I don't know if there's a thing. If there is a thing, then I want to be one. That's, <laughs> I, like, I wanted to be a turtle when I grew up, Donatello, and now I want to be a pro nacho eater. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, but I know that if I have a massive plate of nachos with all the dairy, you know, all the processed cheese, the normal cheese isn't that bad, but all the processed cheese, loads of chili, that I might feel bad for the next two or three days. Now, it's do I want that instant hit of nachos and then deal with the result or can I just have a steak or can I just have the chili and no cheese and stuff like that it's being aware of what that food's going to do to you and owning that situation if I'm cool with feeling a bit rubbish then okay that's fine if I don't want to if I've got a talking gig the next day I'm not going to have nachos I'm doing a podcast which is going to be videoed I'm not going to have nachos and all these different things because I can see when I'm bloated on the face a lot of people can't, but I can see it. And if I can see it, it knocks my confidence. So tracking your food and being aware of what food does to you to actually know that if you're in a certain situation, you either deal with the result or you don't have that food. And if you do ever fall off, which a lot of people do, just remember, you only have a one bite away from getting back on track. I like that. You know, it's everybody's different. It's all about personal responsibility, and you're so right about the foods and the additives and the things that they put in them, and and you know the, to make them taste better, to make them taste salty or whatever, just so we eat more. And then, like you you pointed out, you know the big spike, and then feeling like crap for the next couple of days. Um, yeah. You know, and and one of the things we had talked about with Task Force End is this global balance and how we can educate the masses. Uh, to be better people, uh, nutritionally, physically, mentally, all those things. And, and you know, you're certainly playing your part. So personal responsibility, watch what you're eating, consistency, 
Yep. All of those things that go into your program, which is going to build this mindset. Um, and that, something you pointed out too, Ollie, if you fall off track, if you make a mistake, uh, you know, you're only one bite away from getting back on track, but, but, but don't beat yourself up. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not easy to shift something you said at the outset. People want to change their whole life overnight. Well, you know that you're doomed to failure. If you think you can do that in a month, um, be in it for the long run. Exactly. And let's come back to the mountain. Actually picture this, you're at the summit of a mountain and you've got this two sides, two sides. We're thinking in 2d here, but you've got the sides. <laughs> 360 yeah. man, 360. Exactly. You've got the sides sloping down and you lose your footing. You've got an ice axe on your belt. You start sliding down. Do you let yourself slide all the way down to the point where there's a sheer drop? Or do you get that ice axe out, smash it into the ice as much as possible, and pull yourself back up? What What is it that you do? So if you fall off, get your ice axe out, smash it in, and start climbing. Because no one else is going to do it for you. A lot of people think that we've got doctors out here. It's their responsibility to make us healthy. No, it's our responsibility. No one else's. And, and, being, and taking responsibility, you know, understanding that mindset, you know, we live in a world these days and I know we can probably agree that, you know, so many people, I think that's one of the issues is so many people don't want to take responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. It's the government. Yeah. It, 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 it's the taco. You know, it, it's, it's my friend who gave me the beer. Honestly, you said it, look in the mirror, look at that person in the mirror and you make the call. Do you love that person or not? And and if you love that person, you're going to take responsibility for your life. I, I yeah, I applaud you for the, your approach because it's it, it, it's detailed, but at the same time, it's not too hard to follow. Yeah, and I think as well that goes for the relationships we're in as well. And I was quite bad when I had a down period a couple of years ago, and I had to dig myself out of it. And I was blaming my wife because she wasn't feeling too good and she was stressed. It was about, actually, it was about four or five years ago when I had that anxiety point, when I decided to go fully self-employed. And I was blaming her for everything. No, it's, it's my fault. It was my fault I wasn't feeling the way I wanted to feel. It was my fault my business wasn't where it needed to be. Not hers. Not the fact that she goes out and works every day and the fact that I'm at home and I'm playing on the PlayStation when I could be working. Now, I have to take responsibility Everything that happens in my life is because of me. And I live my life like that. And if someone gets injured, there's always a way that it'll be because of me. And I'll find that. And once I took responsibility, that gave me empowerment to the point where I can make a massive, massive change in this world if I take some responsibility. And it's my responsibility to put out content to help people not necessarily content that sells. Yeah, people might come to me and say, look, Ollie, I've listened to your, your work and I want to hire you as a coach. Great. That might work. We may be a good fit. Not every client is going to be a good fit for my pro coaching and I'm not going to take someone on that would just chuck money at themselves and expect results because, again, to climb Mount Everest, you have to get cold. Money doesn't stop you getting cold. And I've got to take responsibility to aim to help people. And the more I can do that, the more value I can put out and the more I can stop people from losing their dad by the time before they need to. That, that's wonderful. So let me ask you this. So I'm a, I'm a 45 year old guy. I'm a corporate yep. executive. I'm working for a fortune 500. I travel all the time. 
I'm on planes, trains, and I'm in taxis and automobiles, and and I, I you know I eat like crap. I've always got some deadline, and I'm just on the go all the time. I know I'm not getting what I need. I'm feeling stressed. I got spikes in my behavior because of the food. What, what can I expect from the revitalization blueprint? What can I expect? Every single person is different, as I said, and I need to find out exactly what is going on. What means the most to you? Is it your family or is it your business? Because if your business deadlines are going to mean that your family have to see a deadline, then we need to actually make sure that something is switched. And if your family means the most to you and you don't want them to see that, then we use your family to help you get better. With travel, I look at people's hotels arrangements and find out, is there a gym there? Is there a fitness center I can do a, get a little workout scheduled for them? Or do we have to use a suitcase and some uh, water bottles and stuff in the hotel room, do some body weight stuff? Are there restaurants they're going to that I can look at the menu and say, look, these are a few different options I would have. This is what the alcohol, alcohol choice would be. And we make sure we get some results. But I don't want to have a massive impact negatively in making them get more overwhelmed. We need to make sure it's the minimum amount. When they're at home, they get the food uh, either delivered in from the place they need to be, or they end up just knowing what to cook in the quickest way possible. Uh, are they the sort of person that likes the same thing every single day? Someone like Stephen, where we have the, the burgers and the veg and stuff every single day and, and the yogurts and things, or do we need to get a multiple diff, uh, array of foods in order to have. Now, the average person only has eight different foods, uh, meals in their life. They rotate them. But as soon as we link it down to four or five, they start getting stressed out without realizing that they're actually already limiting themselves anyway. So we want to get a hold on every single person individually. I have a intensive plan, which is what I've done um, in Budapest, and that is staying with a client for seven days. The first couple of days, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to be with you shadowing you if you're doing something which isn't the thing that should be doing i'm not going to tell you not to and this is going to kill you obviously i'm not going to do that i'm, I'm going to stop you there but i want to see what you're doing and then we start to implement for a couple of days and we have one uh, there's going to be a day of travel and we have one day where we have fun i need that person to take me around this city and see someone to do this fun because that's so important now by seeing someone on the inside i can then find out exactly what's going to work for them what does their family enjoy? What can they actually do when they're on the road? Because a lot of the times we're on the road, we don't think it's possible to be healthy. We don't know what to look at at gas stations. Get We end up getting loads of candy rather than jerky or something like that, rather than getting a Quest bar or something, which I wouldn't normally have in there, but it's going to be better than having loads and loads of candy. And we want to make sure we get the best choices. Are we fueling ourselves 100% on caffeine rather than getting hydrated elsewhere? Loads of monsters and different energy drinks. Now, we want to see what we can implement. With uh, I'm going to use Rick as the big example because uh, he was that 50-year-old with so much travel. There was a talent show. He was working on American Idol, a talent show in America, different artists and traveling all the time. We've done a little video to say what to have at gas stations we literally, he would send me his food choices over and over the, the, a couple of weeks, we said, look, let's change this, let's change that. Let's just be accountable because a lot of the time we know what to do. We know we're eating a bit of rubbish. Now, there's a study and I think it was American Sports Therapy or some, some institute like that. And I've got the study that I can find that shows that if you get accountability, you get 95% better than results than doing it on your own. 
95% better chance of succeeding. That's awesome. And that was Rick that told me because decades ago, uh, before he was as big as he is in the music industry, he had drug issues, he had alcohol issues, and he's been open about these on different podcasts. So it's not me just saying them. Um, it's something where he said, look, I still go to Alcoholics Anonymous, and you're my accountability partner. And I never thought of it like that. I'm a health optimization and accountability coach. People check in with me. They already know what to do. But the reason they're not doing it is because they haven't got this deadline. They haven't invested in themselves. And they haven't got the accountability. I get them that accountability. So it truly is, uh, uh, and it has to be. You pointed it out for many reasons. It has to be individual. It has to be personalized. I know where you're going to be when you're 47, but where do you see yourself in five years? I want to be the guy that is 100%. I'm going to be the guy that is 100% known for this. There's not going to be any marketing because the actual impact I'm having is going to help clients know who I am. It's not going to be, oh, there's this marketing paid advert or anything like that because referrals are the most valuable clients. People seeing the impact I've had on their friends, their family, and they want help as well. Now, that is going to be sustainable because of the impact I'm having. People say don't rely on referrals and everything, but that is powerful. And I'm going to have impacted over a million people, as I said to you. I don't know how I'm going to know that, how I'm going to uh, even put a number to that, but I know it's happening. My books have gone out. They went to number one bestseller. My podcast that gets like a 1,000 every month, which isn't loads, but I haven't been that consistent on it, but it's still getting a 1,000 downloads every month going on people, uh, places like this, I know that over a million people are going to be impacted. Now, where do I see myself in five years? I'm just going to be happy like I am now. And I'm just going to be adding a positive impact 1% at a time every day. I like that. You know, and it's, it's an analogy like climbing too, you know, you know, you, it's one boot in front of the other. And I think in Nepal, there's a saying, um, that the Sherpas have, it's called slowly, slowly. And, yep. you know, if you rush yourself or if you don't really stay focused, it's, it, it might not be a good thing, but I, I know that you are well on your way. You, you're going to, you're going to impact a, a lot more than a million, Ollie, you know, let's just get this straight. There's like 8 billion people on the planet and, mm-hmm. and you're building a network and you've had some fantastic success so far and you're getting, you're improving you're going to affect the world in a big way in your own words, you know, what is nutrition and, and, and being in shape physically? How's that going to help the planet? It's going to help people be happy. We live in a world where we're told how to think we're told what's good. We're told what's bad and told not to think for ourselves. Social media makes us judge ourselves and other people rather than actually loving what we've got. There's an amazing program on Netflix called Minimalism, and I've just given away uh, over half my books and hundreds of DVDs because I don't need them because they're just things. When everyone has already got every single thing they need in this single moment in time, everything. There's nothing you can add to this moment. There's nothing you can take away. But we live in fear of the future of being something we're not. And wanting to be something that we or trying to be something that we don't actually need to be. Now, if we can think clearly, it allows us to actually master our own body, master our own discipline, and allows us to be happy. 
And that is going to stop us from having to judge ourselves on the latest selfie that someone has put up of an egg that's got 60 billion likes or something like that. It's going to be simply allows you to be able to still use these things because social media is powerful. I wouldn't be where I am without social media. So I do respect social media, but it allows us to have a life as well. Uh, I, I put an app on my phone called Moment and it tells you how much time you've had on your phone. And it surprised a lot of people how long they spend on their phone every single day and how long they spend on certain apps. And wow. being able to focus, being able to be present, it's helped a lot by nutrition. It's helped a lot by exercise because a lot of exercise, you can incorporate your family, you're going for walks with the dogs, going to the beach, going for rocks, going all these different treks and going for a big hike. You, you can incorporate that with your family and that's time where you can spend with them. And that is probably one of the biggest tips is use your family to your own advantage. Lovely. That's a, that's a great, uh, great tip. So I'm a 15 year old boy. Uh And I just lost my dad and I'm not feeling really good. You know, what advice are you going to give me? Just keep trying to be Donatello, the Ninja Turtle, (laughs) because I was the geek back then. And people will tell you, you can't do what, what they don't think is possible. And how unrealistic was it to have a teenage mutant Ninja Turtle down there who loved, made loads of electronics out of nothing. And then they go and really help the world. You can still be that hero, that ninja, that hero, whatever you want to call it, ninja turtle, hero turtle. But people tell you you can't be something because they believe they can't be that person. People will tell you you look good when you feel you want to be looking better. People will tell you you don't need to lose weight. People will tell you you can't leave that corporate job. People will tell you that it's genetics that is meaning they're unhealthy and that they're your genetics that are bad. But that is your choice. Now, if I went back to change anything with my world, I wouldn't because I wouldn't be making the impact I had now. I would just be able to go back and say goodbye to my dad rather than if he was here, I wouldn't have this positive impact. I'd love to have him back. Don't get me wrong. The only thing I would do was be able to actually be there consciously and tell him that you're my hero rather than having to tell him when he was unconscious in bed. I like that. You know, I, I know, you know, wherever your dad's at, I know he would be proud of you. You know, you, you, you have a lot of um, great foundational traits and, and he, you know, they, they, half of them came from your father. So, you know, he would, uh, he would say, hey, Ollie, hey, man, sorry I had to leave early, but uh, you've really made me proud and, and you, you're doing some good things, son, so keep going. So, how many, uh, how can people contact you? What do they need to do? How can they get you, Ollie? Message me on Facebook. Just go to my personal profile, Ollie Jordan Matthews. And if you're going to add me, don't be one of these guys that adds and then doesn't say anything. Just add me. Say, look, I was here. Uh, I'll listen to the podcast and uh, it'd be great to chat some more. Or you can go to revitalizationgroup.com and there's a about me, there's a contact or that let's talk section on there rather than contact me, a let's talk section where that will go directly to my email. Now, I answer all my emails. I've got a VA, but I answer all my emails. And I will just respond. It's not a case of having someone else respond. I will respond. And if you've got a question about health, on Facebook, I do lives four or five times a week. And chances are those lives 
are answers to a question that someone's asked. I will probably do a live. I won't necessarily say the name, but I will do a live about that because you're not going to be the only one with that question. There's going to be multiple people that want that answer. And all they ask is that you try and implement. That's awesome. So give us your quote. I love that quote. Yeah. Everyone talks about having a sustainable business, a scalable business. But without a sustainable body, you haven't got a sustainable business, let alone scalable. Well, there you have it right from the uh, the mind and the mouth of Ollie Matthews. Uh, Ollie's a great individual on a mission to uh, improve the lives of people, and not just for money, because it's in his heart. And it was embedded in his heart at a young age, and he is an amazing testimony to how to deal with trauma and turn it around and make it something worthwhile, not just personally, but for the entire planet. And all I can say is uh, I'm glad we met. I'm glad I saw that live feed and uh, look forward to the day we can finally shake hands. But uh, I appreciate you, Ollie, and I'm so uh, humbled and honored to have you here on Task Force Send Radio. And uh, keep going. If there's anything we can do on our end, we're here for you, 110%. Uh, if you want any tips about mountaineering, I've got plenty of them. Climb quite a few mountains myself and uh, – Definitely. Uh, there's something about, you know, another thing about climbing, you know, my brother would say, now he never did it. He was like the fisherman. I like being up on the mountains. He, why do you like to do that? And I said, cause not many people like to do that. And I, and I would say they're my people at base camp. These are the people I want to hang with because they understand challenge and they understand the majesty. See that mountain in your office, listeners can't see it, but that, 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 when you're on that, the majesty of what the universe has is just phenomenal. And I, I mean, I might go to, I don't think I'll be around in 25 years. I don't know, but you know, maybe I'll go to base camp, you know, by then I'll, I'll have uh, probably two knee replacements and my knees will freeze. But um, I appreciate you, Ollie Matthews. And uh, I'll, I'll let you know when this comes out and anything else you want to let the world know before we sign off here. Just push for 1% every single day. If there's something you know you need to do, do it. Because if there's someone you need to tell them that you love, tell them. Because you may not get that chance. If there's someone you need to tell that you're, they're your hero, tell them. Because I didn't get that chance to tell my dad. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Task Force Zen Radio. Through education, we will raise global awareness, create more balance, perpetuate human healing, and diminish suffering in our world. Because humankind matters. Matters.